Thank you Hussey Magazine for featuring. Pulp by Paige Turner Next up in the Novak Chronicles, Yvette and the Case of the Missing Husband The rain was coming down pretty hard, a storm came out of nowhere. I lit my cigarette and watched the lights dance off the puddles growing in the parking lot. Busy night, Bruce must have every room booked if I had the pleasure of listening to room number 22 bang the hell out of the wall. Any minute now that headboard would burst into splinters. By the sounds of it, he hit the spot. Good for them, at least someone was getting laid tonight. I sipped my scotch and imagined it was Vivian, man did I miss her. Vixen of my dreams. I knew life in San Francisco wouldn't be the same without her, but after the hit she pulled, well only a fool would think she could return and I was that fool. I knew it was going to be a long time before she could leave Baja. Before I would feel her flesh under my fingertips, take her breath away with one thrust. Goddamn, they were still at it. I poured another drink, topped it off with ice when I heard a car door slam. Yellow cabs had a distinct sound, they were the last cars still made with Detroit steel, those things would survive the apocalypse. It took some oomph to slam one shut. I looked through the blinds to catch the cab drive off into traffic, a trench coat with one hell of a set of legs running towards the front office. Another Betty meeting her Don Juan. I sat back at my desk, the rain always made me think of women. Though I pined for my Vivian, a man like me wasn't about to suffer. Evil grin on my face, I could feel it. I opened the file before me and adjusted my desk lamp. Finally, the wall banging stopped, only to be replaced moments later with the squeaking of the mattress. Hot damn. I closed my file and took a long drag. Spinning round I caught the young lady running across the lot, watched her primp, fix her hair, slide on some lipstick. Even in the dark, you could tell she was a beaut, gonna make someone very happy tonight. That's when I heard a knock on my door, must be a mistake, I didn't bother to move till I heard the bells that hung on the front door. It was her. I was sitting at my desk when I heard the bell ring that hung on the front door. It was nearly 2 a.m. but crime didn't keep time, as the soft red glow off the vacancy sign seeped through the blinds of my window. I finished my scotch, locked my files and rose from my seat. My office was one bedroom in this two-room suite, the front door opened upon the living room, or the reception area as I like to call it. I made a fine home for myself here at the Oasis Hotel. Bruce didn't mind I ran my PI business out of here. Paid him two months rent in advance each month, as a result, Bruce didn't mind a lot of things. I walked through the arched doorway to find her standing there in the dark, outlined by that soft red glow. This room suddenly had a view. I flipped on the table lamp. Its soft yellow bulb was easy on the eyes, but not as easy on the eyes as she was. I adjusted my collar. Hello, can I help you? My voice was deep and sleepy, I wasn't expecting company tonight. I do hope so. She paused for the smile like she always did. I'm looking for Detective Peter Novak. Her red lips popped with each word, said it so familiar, like she's been looking for me ever since. Well, you came to the right place. I snickered like I always did. Please have a seat. I offered her one of the dark green chairs. Can I get you a drink? Pulling off her coat, that sticky black dress was hard to ignore. Her voice rang through, oh that would be marvelous. Her hand settled with a thought. My eyes settled on that figure. I poured her a double on the rocks with a splash and handed her the glass. Her red lacquered nails wrapping around the concoction. I poured myself a fresh one and sat across from her, intently taking her in. There was a buzz about her, like bread right from the oven. Hot. How may I help you? I asked over the rim of my cocktail. She took another sip, a little fast as the whiskey hit her lips spilling over the edge, she wiped it away delicately. Mr. Novak, I've tried the police, but they're no use, I've been patient, I've waited the 24 hours, more even, but they won't take me seriously. I'm sorry to hear that miss. Mrs. Sierra, but you can call me Yvette. Nice to meet you, Yvette. I tipped my glass. Let me assure you, I take you very seriously. There was a shyness to her now, vulnerable, I could feel it come off her. You see, I haven't seen my husband since Thursday night. He must have left for the office early on Friday as he didn't wake me. A solitary tear welled from her eye and down her cheek, again with her smile. I phoned the station Friday night, but they said he had to be gone for a solid 24 hours before considered missing. I could hear them laughing detective. I know what they were laughing about.
With her sleeve she dried her face. I waited till Saturday afternoon, then I called again. They made it clear they weren't worried until Monday night. What kind of husband do they think I got? Yvette was all shook up. I grabbed a pen and notepad, has he done this before? Clicking away. She gave me the slow blink. Disappeared like this? No never, he always comes home. Her back straight. How long have you been married, Mrs. Sierra? Two years now. She smiled. Any children? Not for lack of trying. She grinned. Have you two ever been apart in your two-year marriage? Click. Click. Why of course, he still has his poker weekends with his buddies. Said it so matter of fact, like every husband did. Oh boy howdy. Where does that take place? I asked, no deck of cards could pull me away from a woman like Yvette. At the lodge, Dillon Beach, about two hours north of here on Bodega Bay. She took another sip of her drink. Could it be this was one of those weekends and it slipped your mind? I watched her jump. No it's not, I wouldn't forget such a thing. Now Mr. Novak, if you're going to treat me like those police officers. She was cute when she was mad. I set my glass down, leaned forward, met her eyes. Mrs. Sierra, my apologies. Detective work is a system, a process of elimination. I'm going to ask you my standard line of questioning, nothing more, nothing less. May I offer you a cigarette? She looked at me, doe-eyed and sweet. Little lamb. My apologies Mr. Novak, I'm not myself these past few days. I noticed a chip in her polish. It's understandable Yvette. I offered her a smoke and a light. Her ruby red lips wrapped around the filter as the spark caught flame. She exhaled her frustrations away and when I blew out that match, so did I. How long have you known your husband? I searched her face for a tell. Yvette lit up, I knew Frank when we were teenagers, his family summered at Dillian Beach, but we lost touch. Her eyes fell to the floor. Then one day he walks into the Fog City Diner during my shift and well. She blushed, fidgeting with the hem of her dress. Speaking of family, are they nearby? Maybe there was an emergency and hasn't had the chance to call. No Mr. Novak, he has no family left. She bit her lip, stopped herself, eyes reverting to the floor again. What does your husband do for a living Mrs. Sierra? Rolling the pen over my chin, I needed a shave. He sells insurance. Exhaling a stream of smoke. Does he go away for business? I bit my pen. From time to time, but not much, not without telling me. I usually come along, make the best of it. There was that grin again. Did you call his office? Oh no sir, I didn't want people to start talking. I nodded, small talk is always cheap and tawdry. Those poker buddies of his, they married? Two of them are, the other two are studs. Concentrating on her cigarette. Did you try calling the lodge? No phone, it's off the grid. She stubbed out her cigarette in the crystal ashtray between us. I see. I finished my drink and headed to the bar. Mrs. Sierra, do you suspect your husband of anything? I gave her the courtesy to look away. From the corner of my eye, I watched her perk up. If you mean another woman, Mr. Novak I'm not frigid, he has no reason to stray. I make sure of that every chance I get. I returned with a bottle and topped her off. Sometimes there is no rhyme or reason to these things Yvette. I didn't miss a beat. Did your husband have any enemies, any problems at work? Pacing now, settling into my routine. No, not that I know of. He was well liked at the office. She zoned out into space, thinking of all the people they'd ever met. Aside from the occasional business trip, the only place your husband ever visits is the lodge, as you call it. That's right. She nodded, slowly coming back to earth. I handed her my notepad. Jot down his office address, your home address, and the address to the lodge. Does this mean you'll take my case? Her voice hitched with the question. Most certainly that, someone has to find your husband. I snickered. There was a stillness to her face I hadn't seen before, her smile didn't fill in the space between us. Mr. Novak, I need to be honest with you, I'm not sure how to pay you. I went to the branch yesterday and they wouldn't let me make a withdrawal, said Frank had to be there even though I'm an account holder. It was most embarrassing. I haven't a dime on me. We can square up later, 
I know you're good for it. Without her knowing she touched the diamond stud in her ear, a pearl necklace would do too. I handed her my pen, quickly she wrote down each address, catching my eye as she looked up. I don't know the address to the lodge, I just know how to get there. I looked down at my watch, if we left now, we'd be there by sunrise. She was quiet through the city as we worked our way towards the Golden Gate. You'd never know it was three in the morning as we knit through the streets. Yvette looked back at the city by the bay, sparkling as we crossed over into Marin, too early to be shrouded by fog. I couldn't help myself so I had to ask again. What do you think we'll find Yvette? Point blank asking her the question. I knew this game, these dames came to see me just to hammer the last nail in the coffin. Most of them knew exactly what they were doing but something told me that wasn't like most of them. Do you think he'll be in bed with another woman? Is that the big idea? Mr. Novak, if I thought my husband was gone the past three days with another woman do you think I would have hired you? The slight grin on her face washed away with the shadows. Goes to show you how much you know. She laughed. I popped her on the knee and motioned towards the glove compartment, light me a smoke will ya, we're in for a drive. She turned the knob and found my case, my lighter too. Stuck two in her mouth and set them on fire, exhaling smoke as she tossed the lighter back, closed the door with her knee. Is it so strange that I am genuinely concerned about my husband? She asked while handing me the cigarette. People don't just banish Mr. Novak. Poof. She blew into the air. I gave her the once over, again. Seemed legit, level headed. If there was another woman, the wives are much more animated. I mulled over the situation. This fella comes home Thursday night, got a hot little wife, no kids, she seems to like him, I bet she cooks. They look happy, he wakes up to go to work Friday morning and. And what? It doesn't add up. Allow me to switch this up. You're an attractive woman, Yvette. Just the facts. Is it possible someone is after you? Her eyes lit up. Mr. Novak. What are you saying? That I got some fool all twisted up? She pulled hard on her smoke. You never know what twists up a man misses Sierra, and remember, I'm just asking questions. To be frank, no pun intended, I see no logical reason why he's missing. I rolled my window down, it was getting hot in here. Neither do I, that's why I hired you. She was quiet for a while, Peter. She said my name so matter-of-fact. Frank is a simple man but he doesn't come from simple means. When I say Frank inherited the land from his father, he did, acres of it, but with it comes great responsibility and I'm not talking about fire breaks. This is news, Mrs. Sierra. It is what it is. We were quiet again till she broke through my fog. Turn right here, this is the cutoff to the lodge. I fit my coupe through two redwood trees right off the road. Looking around, the highway vanishing behind me, I scratch my head, that's one hell of an exit, I'd never find it. It's a tricky widget, I just know it by heart. Her lips tightened, I could see her face in the mirror. I kept my eyes on the road and my intuition in my guts. The car drove over the gravel, at the fork in the road Yvette pointed to the right, ever forward. I watched as the giant redwood trees grew right up to the edge of the cliff. The lodge was clipped from a dream. If it weren't for the lighting and sculptures, you'd miss the long slender home as it intertwined with the stone and trees, hanging over the edge. I parked overlooking the ocean, killed the engine to hear the waves lapping on the cliff below. Yvette bounced ahead of me, a jingle of keys as she headed towards the front door. I looked around the circular driveway, a sculpture in the center dancing in the wind. Noted several different tire tracks, some deeper than others, slowly I found my way inside. Vertigo set in as I was greeted by a wall of windows, Bodega Bay and the Pacific Ocean framed before my eyes, nothing between me and the edge of North America but a sofa and occasional chair. I stood in the landing and watched dawn break before me. Yvette walked ahead, dropping her keys on the center table. Please, take a look around. I unbuttoned my coat and made the rounds. Mindful not to touch anything, not 100% sure why I was here. But a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. I took the first hall on the right, passing through an atrium with a private pool. The hall led into a living area, with a TV and bar. I checked out the bedroom, the bed was made, the closet empty, the bathroom dry. I doubled back the way I came and took the left hall, another atrium hallway where the entertainment wing of the home lied, all the while the Pacific Ocean to my right, 
helping keep my bearings as this place stretched out for miles. I checked the guest suites and playroom, with nowhere left to go, I checked the garage and the grounds. Not a soul in sight, the place was clean, maybe too clean. As I headed back in, lured by the scent of coffee, I noticed a particular set of tire tracks. Followed them up a jaunt way past the house. They led me to a clearing with the perfect view of the ocean. There are several tracks but one, in particular, went over the edge. No way someone would park that tight. Then I considered the implications. I peered over fearing I'd find a wreckage and the answer to Frank Sierra's whereabouts. But as my eyes scanned the ground I saw nothing but old blue. I headed to the kitchen and found my way back to the kitten with a cup. I hope you like your coffee black. She grinned. I sat down at the breakfast bar, my back to the view, my eyes on the dame. She sure got me out to the middle of nowhere for a whole lot of nothing. Shaking my head, what was I thinking? Catching a glimpse of her, guess I was hoping she was a vengeful housewife looking to even the score. Muss up those sheets with spite. Venge sex was one of my specialties, along with catching them in the act and flee the country to name a few. I stretched my arms over my head, nothing seems out of place. Should it? She didn't respond. Clean as a whistle. Doesn't seem like anyone's been here for a while. Something struck me but I kept it to myself, took a sip of the hot coffee. Ah. Just the way I like it. I grinned as I took another sip. Hot and on the kitchen table. I couldn't help myself. She let out a small laugh, come to think of it, the dame was pretty quiet ever since we arrived. I'm starving. She blurted. There's a box of just add water pancake mix and I'm sure something sweet in the pantry. Before I could answer she was tying on an apron and measuring out flour. I found my way to the pantry and returned with a jar of raspberry jam. You must be relieved he's not up here. She tossed a hot cake on my plate and placed it in front of me. I didn't think he was Mr. Novak. She flipped one onto her plate. You're a first I took another swig. Someone has to be, right? There was a devious air about her, I kind of liked it. I watched her over the cup, slowly sipping the nectar of the gods. I'll go by his office later, poke around a bit. She didn't flinch as she rolled up her pancake and took a bite. On the drive back Yvette was fast asleep as I sucked down cigarette after cigarette. I dropped her off at her home in St. Francis Woods. Found the key in her purse, left her in the living room. Took the time to poke around before I left. Nothing much to see. Their clothes in the closet, their toothbrushes by the sink, the Kama Sutra in his nightstand. Back at the oasis, I pulled up next to Yvette's coupe. Couldn't help but notice mud and redwood bark stuck under the left back bumper. With a newspaper, I grabbed some and wrapped it up. Inside, I tossed my keys into the bowl and went straight for bed, asleep before my head hit the pillow. I woke up around three in the afternoon hungry, called the joint two doors over, they delivered tacos and beer in minutes. I popped a cold one and dialed his number, SFPD detective at a case and I had become friends of sorts, now that I set up shop in the city. He answered on the third ring. Case speaking. What shaking? Eddie, my man, it's Novak. Peter, you staying out of trouble? I snickered thinking back to a different time when I was a different man. Yeah, 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 I'm staying out of trouble, bet you can't say the same. The bullshit went back and forth. Listen, Eddie, I'm following up on a possible missing person, did you guys get a call from Yvette Sierra, looking for her husband Frank? I could hear him typing. No Peter, don't recall, when did she report it? My guess is sometime Friday night, maybe Saturday. Hold on. The line went silent. Click 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 went my pen. Hey Peter, no call like that came through. I sat up, this was a curious twist. Said you guys gave her flack, said wives never ever call in a missing husband. Yeah, that sounds like the boys all right, it's the girlfriends who flip out when their johnnies don't show. Truth is Novak if we chased down every missing husband you'd be out of a job. Snicker snicker. I couldn't help but chuckle, he was right, 95% of my business was lonely housewives spying on their spouses and 50% of them came to even the score. It's a tough job but someone's gotta do it. Thanks Eddie. I hung up the phone. Sipped my beer, so did she or didn't she call the police? Scratched my head retracing the conversation we had. Looked at my watch, put on a clean shirt, combed back my hair, and headed to 600 Montgomery Street, 
United Insurance, 22nd floor. I parked down the street and walked into the lobby. Two cute blondes sat at the security desk. Hello, I have a 430 with Frank Sierra, United Insurance. The woman behind the counter typed frantically, of course, I knew I didn't have an appointment but she didn't. Always saving face, second elevator on the right, 22nd floor, I'll alert them to your arrival. She picked up her phone quickly, I walked at a leisurely pace. I smiled all the way to the United Insurance lobby where Poppy greeted me, she too frantically looking for my appointment, before long, Mr. United Insurance himself was ushering me into his office. My apologies for the hassle Mr. Novak, it appears your appointment wasn't in the system. How can I help you today? It's Detective Novak, working in tandem with the SFPD. I had an awful habit of lying, but it worked so well. Pulled out my badge, everyone loves the badge flash, glancing at the plaque on his desk, Mr. Hicks, truth is I'm looking for Mr. Sierra, he's been unaccounted for the past several days. Tom shot up and closed his office door. Detective Novak, I'm so glad you came here, we've been worried too. Tom was a bonnet away from damsel in distress. Is that so? I sat up in my chair. Yes sir. You see, we let Frank go about a month ago, gave him ample notice and Friday was his last day. But he didn't show, in fact, he didn't come in all week. Wasn't like him, Frank was a stand-up guy. He didn't hold a grudge on the situation, budget cuts and all. So I let it slide, what was I going to do, fire him? I didn't laugh. Hard thing losing a job. I was stern and sincere like Detective Eddie Case was. Tom paused, there is something in his eyes, there was more to this. Today, after lunch his secretary alerted me to a situation. She found the entire contents of his office, scattered all over the floor. Did you call the police? I pulled out my notebook. Hicks was caught up in his head, he answered a moment later. No sir, we're doing an internal investigation first. Make sure nothing was stolen, no files comprised. Of course. I bounced my finger off my chin. He looked at his watch. Hicks would be ringing his hat given the chance. Did his wife know? Didn't seem like she did. I don't believe it was a concern sir, Sierra had provisions. Provisions? I chuckled, that's one way to save family money. Without missing a beat I asked, may I have a copy of the surveillance for this building? It will aid the police investigation. Yes of course. Hicks quickly rose from his desk. Before he could leave, I caught him at the door. Tom, would you mind if I took a look at his office? Mr. Hicks eagerly escorted me down the hall to Frank's corner. Clearly, Sierra was a hard-working man. It showed. Windowed walls, his own secretary, nice furniture, art, books, and the entire contents of his desk thrown all over the floor. I carefully walked through the chaos, Tom running out to obtain a copy of the surveillance. In his absence, I took my liberties and poked around. Most of the documents were client files, claims, and Frank's notations. The one thing not disturbed was his desktop, I peeked under his blotter and found a single note stuck to the underside. Scribbled on it was an address, 1066 Street No. 511, I knew it as the Henry Hotel. I swiped Frank's ID card and saw myself out. Taking a moment to hand Tom's good-looking secretary my card, asked her to send over the tapes to the SFPD, attention detective case. Outside the city was magic, rush hour traffic. I could hoof it to the Henry in less time, plus walking gave me some time to think. At a good clip, I let my mind wander. Frank Sierra lost his job four weeks ago. The little woman has no idea. One month, now bills are due. Most men would be tapping into savings. The average American barely has one month rainy day funds, let alone more. Of course, Frank Sierra wasn't your average American. Maybe the family money dried up, maybe he owed more than he had. All I could do was play the cards I had. I turned on 3rd Street. Perhaps Frank was getting a little desperate, tapping into savings can trigger folks. Maybe things were getting tight. Maybe he starts to gamble, the horses down the pen sure do look good right about now. Maybe he starts to bet, maybe he wins, maybe he losses. Maybe he's in deep now, with a bookie or a loan shark. It's very possible Frank Sierra mixed with the wrong crowd. Well, maybe that's what I would do but I'm not Frank. It's clear Frank Sierra was a man who wanted for nothing, there's no way he needed that job, the money didn't line up. 
A lot of things weren't lining up. With a place like the Lodge, a home in St. Francis Woods, what was Frank really selling? It wasn't insurance, that's for sure. I ducked into the lobby of the Henry, where old Henry himself was checking in his guests. President Franklin always made the best introduction. With a smile, we asked if Henry recognized the man on the ID. Henry looked at me, looked at the ID, and looked at my hand over the hundred-dollar bill. I'll make it a double if it aids your memory. Henry grinned while he pulled the bill out from under my hand. I let him. Never seen him. Said it straight-faced. Figures, I should have known better. What about room 511? I shifted my weight. Henry turned to look at his wall of keys. Ah yes, room 511. That room was rented out special last week, only stayed a while, paid cash. Anyone else rent that room since? I pulled out the last bill I had. Henry looked into my wallet. That all you got Novak? You take another pro bono case? My lip curled up. You know me Henry. What can I say, he was right. She sure must be something. Wink wink. Pushing my hand under the window. Keep it you fool, you need it more than I do. He contemplated the first bill I handed him, then stuffed it in his pocket, grabbed the key to 511, and motioned for me to follow. The hallway in the Henry was stark dingy white with dark brown carpet. If these walls could talk every crooked son of a bitch would send an NDA. Henry opened the door of the modest studio that looked over 6th Street and the alley. Just a bulb on a wire, a tiny bed, one chipped porcelain sink, and a curtain for the latrine. Listen kid, I don't know if they were screwing or not. But he met someone, I don't know who because I get paid not to know. I poked around, wasn't much to see, opened the closet door, checked the trash. You know how it is Novak, guests don't come through the lobby, they take the back door or... He pointed to the fire escape. This one here has a private entrance. I poked my head out the window to the tunneled ladder down to the alley. Privacy and access. It's my most expensive room. Henry looked proud of himself, and the light cast a gray spell on us both. As I turned around I saw something under the bed. I bent over to tie my shoe and slipped the card in my sock. Thank you Henry. Tipped my hat and headed for the back door. Outside I read the business card. Rosemore Sanitarium, Twin Falls. Was this a piece to the puzzle? It's not like the Henry was known for their housekeeping. This could be entirely unrelated. My mind was on loop. I wasn't sure if I was coming or going. By the time I got to my car I knew I had to go back to the lodge, those tracks were bothering me. On the road, my mind raced a mile a minute. At first glance, there was no reason Frank should be missing, no reason he would leave his wife, no one wanted him gone. So what he lost his job, didn't seem to need it, then again looks can be deceiving. Before I knew it I was coming to the turnoff, surprised I remembered the way, but my eyes always soaked up the breadcrumbs. Those two trees were hard to miss once you knew where they were. At the fork in the road, I veered left for a change and crept along, wondering where this road would lead. Finally, after a break in the clearing, I looked out, I was right where I wanted to be, the lookout. The tire tracks leading off the ledge right in front of me. I got out, the air chilled, the fog was coming in, the trees rustling with madness. I stood close to the edge, where the earth ended. It was an easy 300-foot drop to sea level. My hands clamped up. I took a step back when I noticed the ground, it was so unusual. Dirt mixed with sand and redwood bark. Just like the bit off her car. I pulled a handkerchief from my pocket and collected a sample. It was then, as I scooped up some evidence did I notice the puncture marks in the ground, every few feet or so, now visible as the sun set and latched onto the earth, gripping tight, not wanting to let go. By the time I realized what they were, the ground beneath me gave way. I hurled my body to one side, grasping to the knotted exposed root of the redwood tree, their intricate veins thatched over the ground. I clung, swinging back and forth as my life flashed before my eyes. A life that went by too fast. The memory started off with my before time. Living in mother's basement, the child who couldn't compete with his two perfect siblings. Man, it's been ages since I spoke to them. Really should have reached out. Then my mind flashed to the night it all changed, the night I met Vivian. Her body pressed on top of mine, crushing her hands over my face, pinning that pillow over my nose, trying vehemently to snuff the life out of me. 
I remember that moment so well as my pathetic existence flashed before those young eyes. Nothing much to see back then, nothing at all. So I gave up, let go, ready to be taken to the land of the dead. Looking for the light but it never came. That's when I felt it, a shift in her weight, the pillow letting up, air slowing filling my lungs, and then her words. A moment I'll never forget, that delicious voice telling me to get a life, well to get the fuck out of there and never come back, but that's beside the point. So I did as I was told and I never looked back. Man, so much has changed from that moment to right now, hanging over the edge of a cliff, dangling on a tree root, my life about to end. I couldn't help to grin as I thought of my after. Those late nights working on a case, those particular dames. Those particular nights. An entanglement of legs, blondes, ravens. But not one of them could measure up to her, my red-headed minx my vendetta. Back to the matter at hand, I was crashing against the rock, my feet finding nothing for purchase, I knew this tree root was bound to break. I could hear my coffin lapping over the hard stone below. Looking down, I swear I saw one solitary shoe just beyond the water's edge, stuck in a little cove. Frank's shoe I thought. That's when I saw her, my vendetta, closing my eyes for the last time, I could feel her flesh under my lips, her breath in my ear as I filled her to the brim. God, I would die for that woman. Would kill for that woman. How I ache for that woman. Her alabaster skin, her fierce red hair all tied up in knots, my goddess, my vixen. The thought of her alive out there, hiding in Baja, the thought of reuniting with her one day. I promised her I'd pave the way for her return. Swinging to my demise now, I knew I couldn't die before fulfilling my promise. I wasn't going to die today. Fuck that. Hand over hand I pulled myself over the ledge. Catching my breath, it dawned on me, this was no accident, those punctures in the ground were artificial fault lines. With enough weight, the sandstone would give way, and... Having just swayed to my death I could see clearly now. I could really use a drink, so I found my way to Beach Street and the only bar in town. I hung my hat, tapped out a smoke, asked the bartender if he minded. He looked around the empty joint and said he didn't. I ordered a double whiskey, best he had. Not sure what he poured me but it didn't matter. The first drink you have after escaping death will always taste like the best drink ever. Because it is. Trust me I know. I've had a few. I wiped my brow and tried to connect the dots. There was a large chance Frank Sierra did have an accident, and did fall from the cliff. The fact that Yvette had some mud stuck under her bumper placed her car, if not her, in the area. Things weren't adding up so good for the gal. Can I pour you another? The old man returned with the bottle. Sure, thanks. I rubbed my face and tried to dig a grip. You renting a house around here for the season? It was a nice way of asking a stranger why he was here. I leaned back, no, no just passing through. The fellow wasn't buying it and I knew it, this place wasn't passing through anywhere. I changed my ankle, leaned in. Actually, I'm looking for an old buddy of mine, we lost touch, you know how it is. I paused to see if I set the hook. I did. I remember his family had a summer home up here, the lodge. It's the only place I can remember. I laughed at myself, always acting on a hunch. The old man set the bottle down and leaned on the bar. I reckon I know who you're talking about, the Sierra brothers. Said it so matter of fact, like everyone's been asking him the same question. A question I didn't know to ask. Brothers? Huh? I scratched my head figuratively speaking. Yes. That's them. I couldn't believe my luck. You looking for Frankie or Bobby? Suddenly in a doo-wop song, this time I took the other road. Bobby? Oh, now that's a shame. Had a terrible fallout with his father right after college, left for New York some 15 years ago, never heard from or seen again. Didn't even come to his father's funeral, shame really. The old man poured me another. All I could do was nod my head in agreement. That is a shame, and Frank? Well, Frankie couldn't wait for the old man to kick. His body not even cold, the not even dry when he filled that church for his wedding. These small town tales really fueled the bartender. Called away by another patron, I snuffed out my cigarette, left a twenty, and bounced. On my way back to the car I walked past the seven buildings that comprised Beach Street when I got to the last shingle. Dillon Beach Town Attorney, Grant Pine. I jotted down the number, noted the upstairs light was on. 
I sat in my car but didn't start it. This estranged brother business sure was an interesting twist. Maybe Yvette did have reason to worry. On a hunch, I drove to the other side of Beach Street where I found the phone booth and dialed for Grant Pine, Esquire. He answered on the second ring. Hello? Hello, Detective Peter Novak here, I'm looking for Mr. Grant Pine. Speaking, how can I help you Mr. Novak? Excellent, Mr. Pine, I'm working on a case and I was hoping you could help me. I watch people cross the street to the beach no matter the hour. I do what I can. Grant was considerate. Mr. Pine, Frank Sierra has been missing since Friday morning, possibly longer and well I couldn't help to think of his brother Bobby. I left it at that, hoping the old man would take the bait. He didn't. I see. What was your question, Mr. Novak? Tight-lipped son of a gun. Am I correct that you're the attorney who managed the Sierra estate? I was stabbing in the dark. Yes, that is correct. I loved being right. Mr. Sierra's sudden disappearance is completely out of character and I've left no stone unturned, except for one. I paused, let the wind rip over the receiver. Is there a connection I'm missing? Does Rosemore Sanitarium mean anything to you? And right when you think you don't have a bite. Mr. Novak, I'd be more than happy to meet with you in person. If you'd like to make an appointment with my secretary I can. You got him, hook, line and sinker. Mr. Pine, I'm but a block away, is now a good time? I could see the blinds from his second-story window move just a touch. I happen to be in the office this evening, please do come in. Then Mr. Pine hung up the phone. You can learn a lot from a man if you ask the right questions. I left Mr. Pine's office with more information than I knew what to do with so I hit the road with the windows down and the music up. Back in my apartment I poured myself a double and took a hot shower. Pulled on my favorite pair of old jeans and a clean t-shirt. I had to nail this down. What really was at work here? Did someone want Frank dead? His brother? Let's not forget the meeting at the Henry Hotel and Rosemore Sanitarium. The two clearly connected. My head was spinning when I see my coat and grab the handkerchief from my pocket. I find the sample off her car and compare the two. It's pretty obvious both chunks are consistent with each other. Dirt, sand, and redwood bark. This placed her car at the lodge prior to our arrival. My mind was putting the pieces together when there was a knock at the door. I looked up at the clock it was half past midnight. I opened the door to find Detective Eddie Case himself with the SFPD. Eddie, my man, what a nice surprise. But truth be told, this didn't look so nice. Peter, I'm going to need you to come with me. He pointed to my car and then the deputy. I stood there, staring at Eddie, the deputy, then my car, dirt caked on my rims. Novak, come with me, otherwise I am going to have to arrest you. Detective Case said without a smile. Shit. Let me grab my coat. It was one of those moments where everything in me said run, but now wasn't the time for that, plus there was no way I could fit through the bathroom window. I found my shoes and coat, grabbed the samples, and slid into the back seat. I knew Eddie would give me a fair shake, he was the best cop I ever met. Case didn't say a word on our drive, back at the station he left me alone in the interrogation room, I stared at myself in the mirror. Looked pretty good considering I was running on empty. Finally, Case opened the door. Peter. He had a frown on his face. Allow me to cut to the chase, your fingerprints were found at the summer residence of a Frank Sierra. Yeah I bet, he's the fella I called you about, his wife Yvette hired me. I was home free now. Eddie leaned in. Well, here's the thing Peter, Yvette's not his wife. Gloria Sierra is and she's been missing since last Sunday, according to Rosemore Sanitarium. Oh. I was totally dumbfounded. So you tell me Peter. Rubbing his face, why were your prints at the lodge? I was hoodwinked, I was duped, I was set up. I ran through the night in my mind, every second, never once considering this moment. My fingerprints? But I didn't touch anything. Case sat up in his seat. So you admit you were there? I looked up quickly, knowing the can of worms I opened. Wait a minute, let's back up here and start at the very beginning. Don't you remember? I called you yesterday and asked if you heard from Yvette and her missing husband Frank Sierra. Eddie didn't say a word. I restrained myself from slamming the table. It was 2 a.m. Monday morning when this dame walks in looking for him. 
says he's been missing since Friday but the police weren't taking her seriously. I looked at Case, then at the two-way mirror, then back on Case. We chat, she seems genuinely concerned so I take the job. Have her jot down his home and work address, when she mentions this place called the lodge. No phone, no address, she only knows how to get there, so logically I suggest we start there. I pause to see his reaction. Logically. Case repeated. I ask for a smoke, he pulls out his pack and flicks his zippo, TLC2 flashing under the fluorescent lights. Thanks. I take a long inhale and watch him over the smoke, not entirely sure if I was in trouble or not. So I keep talking, it's all I got. We get there about sunrise, and I walk around the place. It's pristine. Nothing out of order. Well, nothing at first glance. Looking back. That's another story. Anyway, she makes some coffee, flapjacks, then we head back to the city. She falls asleep in the car, I bring her home, to the address she gave me, found the key in her purse, and left her in the living room. I was out of breath. So yeah, I was there Eddie. Detective Case eased back in his chair, bouncing his pen off his lip. I felt the need to say, you gotta believe me, Eddie, I didn't kill nobody. Leaning forward, never said you did Peter. Eddie ran his fingers through his hair. They found your print on a coffee mug, we got a second set but it's not in the system and not a match for the wife either. So we know Yvette and Gloria are not the same person. Eddie rubbed his five o'clock shadow. When was the last time you saw this Yvette? This morning, when I dropped her off at home, 518 San Andrea. I pulled out my notebook and showed him the addresses. Her car should still be parked at the Oasis. It's not. Case dropped. It's not what? I furrowed my brow. It's not her car, the car is registered to Rosemore Sanitarium, we had it towed. What? Pointing at my notes, Case asks, this is work address? What happened during your visit? I was taken by his perseverance. He didn't show all week, his office messed up over the weekend. Eddie sat there for a moment, tapping his pen over his notebook deep in thought. That's when I remembered, I pulled the note from my pocket. Found this under his blotter, it's the address to the Henry. We looked at each other for a moment, both knowing what goes down there. Headed over, checked out the room, found this on the floor, Rosemore, hard to think it's a coincidence. Case took a look at the note and the business card, slid them both into this file. Thank you, Peter, you're free to go. Eddie. Before he could leave, I had to tell him everything. I went back to the lodge, I had to double-check the tire tracks I saw. You see, they go over the edge of the cliff. The earth had been punctured to aid its collapse. I know, because I went back and nearly died. Straight-faced, you're lucky you didn't. Did you find Frank? Case nodded back and forth. Well, he's got that going for him. Running my fingers through my hair, the hour's a blur. Case chuckled, clearly done with this conversation, at least for the record. We've got eyes on the Oasis Peter, you'll call me if she comes back, right? Of course. I sat there a moment longer, contemplating it all. And Peter, try and stay out of trouble. Then out the door Detective Eddie Case went. I looked at the mirror, gave them a salute, and caught a cab home. Back at my place, I hit the sack in no time flat. I was out cold when something stirred me from my slumber. I opened my eyes to headlamps dancing over the walls. I rolled over when I heard it again, tap tap tap. I rose from the bed and walked into the living room, nothing. Went to the door, nothing. Peeked out the window, nothing, except the unmarked across the way. I headed back to my bedroom when I heard it again, tap tap tap. This time it came from the bathroom. I walked in but didn't turn on the light, I could barely make out a silhouette in the frosted glass when I heard the soft tap, tap, tap. I unlatched the hook and cranked it, sure enough, there she was, Yvette. I'm sorry to wake you, can I come in? Her voice was soft as her eyes. I turned towards the front door when she very clearly meant to come through this window. You're being watched you know? Yvette tossed her purse in first, her coat, then lifted her body onto the ledge. With her shoulders in, she reached out for my help, I wrapped my arms around her tiny waist and pulled her through the porthole. We stood there for a moment, in the dark just the muted light from the old street lamp outlining our faces. Her arms wrapped around my neck and I got the feeling this was a different sort of visit. 
but you can never tell with these dames so I refrained from my urge to kiss her. I let go and walked into the living room, right for the bar. The clock on the wall marked 2.32 a.m., a little early for a drink or maybe right on time. Who's watching me? I asked while handing her a glass. There's a long tan station wagon parked across the street. It's been there for hours, since before you got picked up. Seems like they're not the only one watching me. I dropped onto the sofa and kicked my feet up. Didn't feel the need to put on a robe, at least I was wearing silk pajama pants, after all, she knew what time it was. I was on my way here when I saw the red, white and blue. I've been worried ever since. Yvette tossed back her drink and set the glass down. Worried over what? I wasn't in the mood for this, if you ask me there is only one reason a woman should wake a man up this early in the morning. Worried I got you in trouble? I haven't been very forthcoming with you Peter. Her eyes fell to one side, biting her lip, playing it coy. Is that so? I lit a smoke, the fire of my match the only light in the room. Didn't feel right to turn the lamp on, this conversation was better had in the dark. She motioned towards her empty glass, I motioned towards the bar. Yvette brought the bottle over, set it down between us. What have you got to tell me, Yvette? I asked while sucking in the sweet tobacco, laced with a little weed. Quickfire, what they haul you in for? Her eyes on me intently. I took another long drag off my cigarette, my eyes trailing over her, buying some time while I sorted this out. The way I see it, this here is what you call a moment of opportunity. Sometimes, in my line of work, you need to veer off the path, to find out if you're on the straight and narrow. I leaned over to ash my cigarette, my eyes taking in every inch of her, you never know where you'll find a clue, took another drag. Eddie needed my help identifying a. Left it like that, ambiguous. I was a straight-faced liar, comes with the job. My words sat in the air. Yvette didn't say a word, she didn't have to, her face did all the talking. We sat there in silence, me just smoking, her just seeping. That's the thing about kittens, they're curious. Finally she asks, what did they find? It let out a slow grin. I don't know, didn't recognize what was recovered, thought it might be your husband though. A car pulled into the drive and shot light through the room, I saw her clearly for the first time. My husband? For a moment she sounded confused. I wasn't. Your husband, Frank Sierra. I paused to make sure she got her story straight, pulled my coat off the back of the sofa and tossed his work badge on the table, she didn't pick it up. Did you know he lost his job? Friday was his last day. I leaned over to look her in the eye, then topped off my drink. She blinked twice. Yes, I knew. I nodded my head then didn't say a word, let her sweat it out. Didn't take long. I wasn't worried though, I knew he had things lined up, Frank always had things lined up. Her smile returned. Always has things lined up, eh? I kept my eye on her, he didn't show up for work on Monday. Yvette let out a laugh and rolled her eyes, my pivotal moment lining up. When did you do it, it? I'm guessing last Sunday, I mean, why else wouldn't a stand-up guy like Frank show up for work on Monday? I got up, excited like I always did when I was about to figure it out, so I started to pace. Maybe you brought him up to the lodge for some fun, remind him what a good woman he has. You drive to the spot, maybe he even suggests you two get out of the car to enjoy the view. You're careful not to budge, but he doesn't know, he hops out of the car, swings around back then. I slap my hands together, give her a real good start. Bam! The ground gives way, just like that you're the widow of a fine estate. Satisfied with my performance I grab a fresh smoke, lighting it before I snub the old one out. You leave, come home, fret that he hasn't shown up, then come get me. I stand there, talking to her, hide me from my eyes, see if I can spot your murder. Well, it's all coming together now. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't kill Frank, I love Frank. I'm the only woman who truly does. Said it like she meant it, sat still to reinforce the remark. I simply stood there and returned her stare till she finally spoke. Killing him would do me no favors Mr. Novak. It's not like I would inherit the estate. Is that so? I sat down, poured myself another round. Our marriage isn't legitimate on account his first wife won't sign the divorce papers. Or can't, per her doctor, she's in no condition to understand what she's agreeing to. Whatever. Yvette said it so matter-of-fact, 
because it was a fact she lived with every day. It was all for show, felt the need to prove it. Everybody knew his marriage to Gloria was a sham. Eyes darting about. It's also foolish, we married right after his father passed, Frank rather lost his mind back then. I stood there, not buying this bull. Sounds like maybe he did it? Maybe he asked her to come out here, give it one last shot, then. My fists finished the sentence as I gestured a break. Yvette closed her eyes and shook her head from side to side. Frank would never kill Gloria. No, no, no. Eyes wide with fright. Dead serious now, Gloria's been missing over a week. I popped my lips, an old habit from my magician days. Frank's missing, Gloria's missing? Maybe Frank had an accident, maybe Gloria did. You know anything about that? Starting to ride her hard, needed a break in the case. When are you gonna tell me the truth, Yvette? Tell me why you brought me to the lodge? Why you snuck through the window? I took another drag off my cigarette. I could see tears welling up in her eyes. You really should have done a better job of picking up the pieces, Yvette, they're scattered everywhere. Before my very eyes, I watched her change like a chameleon, it was magic really. Tilted her head just so, her eyes so wide and worried, Peter, do you really think I killed my husband? Her lip quivered just enough. I tried to keep up my pace, but suddenly she had a hold on me. Something about her. I tried to shake it, stick to the matters at hand, but I grew soft with those sweet eyes. Without realizing it, I changed my tune. Honestly Yvette, I'm a little worried about Frank. I get the sense Gloria is capable of much more than she lets on. Rubbing my chin, taking this all in. Bet you pissed Gloria off when he took up with you. Insert her eye roll. She has no right to be pissed. Frank did the right thing when nobody else would. In a huff now, Gloria should have divorced him when he asked the first time. That would have been the right thing to do. Oh boy, I touched a nerve. Maybe enough was enough. Maybe Frank lured her up there to get her off his back. Maybe she did, to get you off hers. Maybe she pushed him off the cliff, maybe he did? Running my fingers through my hair. Maybe. I didn't dare say it. Do you really think so? Her eyes glistening with tears, biting her finger, holding back her emotions, changing the subject. It's a four-day drive from Twin Falls to the Lodge Yvette. Something had to make Gloria get in that car and head west. I took a look at her, bouncing in waves of thought. Her transition right here I didn't see coming, but looking back this was her moment to shine. Yvette snubbed out her smoke and polished off her drink. Stood up, pressed down her dress, and took a deep breath. I wasn't sure what she was doing, I just watched her. Honestly, I could watch her all day. Peter, I have to come clean. I can't keep going like this. She took a step forward, I could feel the heat coming off of her. You're a smart man, you're no fool. Suddenly her face fell into her hands covering her eyes. Would you excuse me? She ran off to the bathroom. I half expected her to crawl out the window. Full of energy, I took a walk around the room, listened as she ran the water, peered out the windows, the tan station wagon still across the street. I didn't dare move a thing. I heard the door open and watched her silhouette walks towards me in the moonlight. She grabbed our glasses, tossed in some fresh ice, and made us both a double on the rocks with a twist. I met her halfway where she handed me my drink. Yvette took a deep breath. Two weeks ago Frank tells me he's got an appointment with a lawyer, Gloria has agreed to sign the papers, they're meeting outside of Rosemore to finalize the settlement. He says he'll be back late Friday night. Taking a sip of her drink, I could feel her eyes on me. When he doesn't show, well, I feared the worst. Gloria is an unstable woman. She's been in and out of Rosemore most of their marriage. Of late, she's threatened to harm herself. It's all a ploy really, always is. Tisk tisk. Their marriage is a complete fraud you know. Built on a lie, let the record state. Nodding her head up and down. I settled in for this melodrama. How so? Yvette crossed and uncrossed her legs, the fabric of that sticky black dress the only sound in the room. She took a long drag off her cigarette, blowing out a billowing stream of smoke. This time, giving me the once-over. How so? I was sure with all your poking around you'd know by now. I did, but it's never the same hearing it secondhand. Yvette sipped her drink, when I didn't respond she continued. Frank married Gloria when his brother refused to do the right thing, if you catch my drift. 
It was a crazy summer. I know, I was there, we were young and carefree. Leaning in, Gloria had her eyes on Bobby, Frank's older brother. He was a god. Every woman on Dillian Beach wanted a piece of him. Well, before the end of the summer Gloria claimed Bobby knocked her up, had proof too. Bobby adamantly denied it, but his father didn't want any scandal and demanded they marry and raise the baby. Bobby refused, claimed he didn't touch her, so he left. His father went through the roof till Frank stepped in. Turns out Frank had pined for Gloria the whole time. Without a chance at Bobby, Gloria married Frank real quick to keep her honor and the family name untarnished. She paused, looked at her nails. Nine months later Frank realized her lie, the attempt to trap Bobby and his own foolishness. Frank asked her for the truth, but Gloria's incapable of speaking it. Fifteen years later, no reciprocated love, no kindness, just her mental illness eating away at the both of them, such a wasted life. Shaking her head, you could feel the truth in her words, waited. When Frankie walked into the Fog City Diner on my shift, well it was his destiny to start anew, I just knew it. Sparks between us from the start. We felt young again like no time had passed. I rubbed my chin, my my was this a fantastic tale. Fifteen years he stayed with her? She did it again, keeping me on my toes. Wicked woman. Tears welled up in her eyes as she looked straight through me. He loved her Peter, that's the thing, he truly loved her so he stayed. Her eyes to the floor as she gripped the chair to find her composure. I love him, but he doesn't love me. She stopped, I could sense her eyes on me, feeling me out. I don't think he's dead Peter. I don't think she is either. I don't think she was going to sign anything, she just wants to win. Yvette stood up quickly and turned around, a chink in her armor. Holding back her tears, they've run off together Peter, I watched them drive away. I followed them in a cab, had the fellow leave me at Twin Trees and I walked the rest of the way. Before I got to the house I heard his car, I hid in the bushes and watched them drive past me, clear as day, laughing and smiling. That's when I got in her car and drove straight here. I wondered where she got my number but now was not time to ask. I suddenly knew what she was here for. Her face fell into her hands and her body sank. I couldn't help but catch her as she tumbled into my arms. Holding her, suspended in the dark, my primal side started to take over. Another car turned into the lot and its headlights streaked across the room. I could see her soft brown hair, her pale hazel eyes, that sticky black dress. She didn't stir as I held her, taking in her scent, my nose tracing her hair, her cheek, and her lips, I couldn't help but utter the truth. What a fool to leave you. She smiled, lying there in my arms, caressing the stubble on my face, slowing tracing my lips, watching me intently. I couldn't let her go, I knew she needed this, to be wanted, to be loved. He's a fool. You deserve better than that Yvette, you deserve the sun, the moon, the stars. I brought her to her feet raised her chin, and looked into her eyes. It's okay sport, you're safe here. Works every time. Yvette wrapped her arms around my neck and climbed me like a tree. Her lips finding mine as she slipped her tongue into my mouth. I couldn't help but grab her ass and wrap her legs around me. Give them what they want, always was my business model. They all come for the same thing in the end. I carried her over to the wall and pressed her against it, let my hands wander, made her squirm. She pulled that sticky black dress over her head, wasn't wearing much underneath. Our lips met, hungry, wicked, wanting. I bit her flesh, her hair tickling my nose while her nails raked my back. She panted under my touch. I know you did it. I whispered in her ear as I dropped her body onto mine. Her eyes lit up in satisfaction and shock. I don't give a fuck either. Giving her what she wanted. From worry to wanton. You know you gotta get out of here right? They'll figure it out eventually. Biting her neck and listening to her delight fill my senses. She grabbed my face and looked me in the eyes. I filled her mouth with my tongue, I could feel her hot and wet so I stopped, no reason to rush. Brought her to the bedroom and tossed her on the bed. Your secret's safe with me kitten. Pulling her legs apart, a devious smile across her face as I devoured her whole. There was only one thing Yvette needed tonight and it was me. Lying there in the dark, the sheets damp and sticky, one of us a devil in disguise. I lit a smoke and watched her sleep. I do my best interrogations on my back, or maybe I should say, while they're on theirs. The truth just on the other side of ecstasy. 
It was a tough job but I gently coaxed it out of her. I knew Yvette looked like an angel, but she was no saint. I took a drag, really couldn't blame her, affairs of the heart rarely make sense. After everything she did for Frank. Tisk tisk. It was painfully obvious Yvette was a woman scorned. Enough was enough, no living in the shadows. Yvette could no longer stand that cold, crazy, and calculating Gloria. A woman is no creature to mess with. Having paid off an orderly at Rosemar, and I'm not talking cash. Yvette obtained notarized divorce papers with Gloria's signature and instructed the orderly to give them to Frank directly. When those two met at the Henry the orderly relayed a private message from Gloria that sent Frank straight to the florist. Yvette sent an entirely different letter to Gloria. It was a brilliant concoction really. I can almost see Yvette's devious grin as she signed Bobby's name to the letter for Gloria. Of course, she would steal a car from Rosemore and drive to the lodge. The orderly ensuring she joyride when overlooked. Too bad her mother popped in for a visit, imagine if she never got caught. Yvette had this buttoned up tight. The one thing we can count on is the habitual nature of our creature. She knew Frank would be elated to win over Gloria's affections and eagerly wait for her. I lit a cigarette and watched smoke dance around my desk. I couldn't help but think of the train wreck of events that lead me to here. I imagined Gloria driving to the lookout, all excited to see Bobby again after all this time. Only to find Frank there, holding flowers and hoping to win her love. She must have been pissed, so pissed. Talk about hoodwinked. I could almost feel her press down on the gas pedal as she slammed her car into his, plummeting Frank to his death, then pushing his car clear off the ledge for good measure. Gloria was something else. Now add the next layer, Yvette following her hunch, walking in the darkness, coming to the break in the trees, lovers look out as they called it. Seeing Gloria kill the man she loved. Crying in the bushes, watching Gloria peer over the edge. Don't be so sure you wouldn't do the same, as Yvette picked up a stick and knocked Gloria over the ledge. Her last scream still echoing in Yvette's ears. The way I see it, Yvette did the right thing. Even Stephen. Perhaps she should have called the police instead of stabbing the earth to aid the erosion. A cover-up never looks good. I wondered when they'd find the bodies, or if the ocean would keep this secret. I snubbed out my cigarette, the sun was coming up, she stayed too long. I looked out the window, the tan station wagon replaced with a green one. My eyes back on the dame. She didn't look half bad wearing my shirt. Gave me an idea. I slid out of bed and called the front desk. Bruce, it's Peter. Would you send a taxi to the room next door? Have him show up in about an hour, long story, tell you later. I hung up the phone and headed to the closet in my office. I had all sorts of get-ups and costumes in there, detective work took some trickery. I found a hat, pair of trousers and shoes that might fit her. I headed back to the bedroom, Yvette still asleep as I ran my finger down her back. Rise and shine. I whispered in her ear, rolling over she wrapped her arms around me, pulled me in. One more for the road? She grinned, parting her legs and giving me no choice. I looked at the clock and did what I could. Really put my back into it, give her something to remember. I know she appreciated it, she told me so repeatedly. Kissing her on the stomach, you've got ten minutes to slip on that suit and get the hell out of here. I motioned to the new car across the street. Yvette rolled over and popped up the blind. I took a long look at her lean body. She peered over her shoulder and gave me a wink. Eddie K. sure has a hunch about you. Tease. The taxi is going to pick you up outside the room next door. I've already picked the lock between them. She looked pretty cute in that suit. I tied her tie and handed her a bag for her dress. There's cash in the bag for the ticket, remember to speak with Pam at the counter, she's expecting you. Get on the first plane to Baja. Bobby will meet you at the airport. Don't tell anyone where you're going or where you've been. Got it? Yvette nodded as she tied her hair up in knots, pulling her fedora on tight. She wrapped her arms around me and gave me one hell of a goodbye kiss. I heard the knock next door. So did she? Without looking back she bounced into the next room, through the blinds I watched her swagger to the taxi, man that woman thinks of everything. Back in my office. I peered out the window, the green station wagon still parked across the street, rolling her diamond stud earring in the palm of my hand. Paid in full. This would come in handy one day. I tossed it in the shell I kept my paper clips. 
I clicked on my hot plate and made a fresh pot of coffee. Within moments of pouring a cup, the phone rang. I sat down at my desk and leaned back in my chair, let that sucker ring as I sipped the sweet nectar. Finally, I picked it up. Novak at your service. Peter, we found Frank's car. I nearly spit out my coffee. No shit. Really? Where? At the bottom of that sea, Coast Guard confirmed it an hour ago. Found it submerged right below that ledge, you know, where the tire tracks ended. What about the Frank? I asked, wondering how far they traveled. Oh, Frank? They found half of him a few miles south in Tamales Bay. On that note, we found Gloria too. Eddie coughed. Oh shit. What happened? Was there an accident? The line was silent, I could hear Case moving his files around. My mind racing a mile a minute. Hard to say. Two dead bodies, one car in the sea, the other in impound. Maybe he forgot to set the brake. Didn't have it in park. Maybe a pissed off lover plowed their car over the edge when they caught them fucking. He paused for a second. Gotta wait till we fish it out of there, though the evidence of Gloria's car is quite incriminating. Prints in the car match the ones on your coffee mug. Without missing a beat Eddie asked. How'd you make out with Yvette? She come clawing at your door last night. Case had a way of asking a question. I sipped my coffee to buy some time. Not to my knowledge, slept like a rock. You call me if she pokes round again, we've got some questions for her. I could hear him tapping his pen on the desk. I nodded, yes sir. Swinging my chair around as I watched that green station wagon pull into traffic and a blue one park in its place. I wish you the best on this case detective. I heard Eddie's chair squeak as it did when he kicked his feet up. Hey Peter, take care and try to stay out of trouble will ya? The line was dead before I could caution him to do the same. I got up and headed for the coffee pot, hadn't even poured my next cup when the phone rang again. Half expecting it was Case again. I answered on the third ring, give folks time to change their mind, it's a big step to call a private eye. Ring ring ring. Novak at your service. The tender voice on the other end could barely sputter out her words. Mr. Novak, my name is Beatrix and I need your help. Pulled out my notepad and pen, another day, another dame, another dollar. The end. Want to read more about Detective Peter Novak? Check out his debut tale, a devious mob revenge tale called, Vendetta Blank and a teaser for the sequel Felix Culpa. Don't forget to subscribe to Pulp by Paige Turner and visit Hussy Magazine and for subscribers only, Pulp After Dark, premium content pulp. Thank you so much for reading. I would love to know your thoughts, favorite quotes, or surprises you enjoyed, please share. Happy Tales. Zox Pulp Page. My name is Paige Turner and I write pulp. Link to all pulp by Paige Turner. Link to subscribe to Pulp After Dark, premium content pulp. Enjoy previews, teasers, and my upcoming novels at Pulp by Paige Turner. To read behind-the-scenes visit between the pages where I share my experiences and inspiration behind my writing. Follow Paige Turner at Pulp by Paige Turner Inc., Pulp by Page Inc., Tumblr, Facebook, Fan Page, Email, Subscription Tech Support. All material is written by Paige Turner, pen name, and protected under copyright. Please do not repost slash recreate without expressed written consent of Page Turner Productions. You've been warned. All characters are fictional any resemblance to a real person is accidental. Copyright 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021.